Welcome to Tom Workshop. We're going to be the biggest creators in the world. Today, we've got Kai Watson from the Sync YouTube channels. He's got three channels. He's got the Sync where he talks about influencer stuff. That has 400,000 subscribers. He's got the Sync podcast where he interviews big influencers. That's got 140,000 subscribers. And the Sync Uncut channel, which is really just about you guys. And that's got 43,000 subscribers. I've asked this question to you three times because we had technical difficulties. So you're probably ready for the answer by now, but how have you built this in only a year? Yeah. So when I started listening to podcasts, I was like in the third grade, always been really in love with podcasts. I love the format. Um, and oh, I don't know how to, how far to take this. Uh, so it started all the way back when I started listening to podcasts, love the format, grew up in the entire internet space of team 10, Jake Paul, everything that was going on during that time, the rise of David Dobrik. Uh, that's who I consumed every single day. I was always watching like the drama alerts, all these Philip DeFranco, all these different uh, internet-based news sources, whether they're covering Gen Z news, social media news, or if they're just covering mainstream things happening uh, every day. Um, so kept listening to podcasts. In high school, uh, I made a vlog channel, YouTube channel. I was filming pranks all the time. I used to run up to all my friends in school and like film them with my camera, ask them questions and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was always like trying to, yeah, it was like, I mean, I was ripping off everyone's style, right? I was trying to do like a David Dobrik style, running up to people. I was trying to do Jake Paul going crazy because that's what was popping at the time. Um, in, in retrospect, it was an awesome uh, experience because although no one was watching it, like I swear I would owe, like maximum, I would get like a thousand views, right? But I had one prank that got a million views. It was like a K-pop prank in public. That was my first video on YouTube that did well. Um, and oh, after that- Were you in high school at the time? Yeah, I was 15, I think, 15. Wow. Yeah. It's a big deal. So, yeah, it, it was it was, uh, it was was a big deal. It happened over like six months and I was freaking out. But what, what I wasn't prepared for, which now uh, a lot of influencers are really good at capitalizing on like that one hit and finding how to like stretch it out and make it bigger. Bella Porsche built a career on it, right? Every, all these different creators. Um, I, I couldn't do it. I didn't know how to do it. I was still super young. I was still editing videos. I jumped to like making vlogs um, and, I, I, and I kept doing this kept uploading as much as I could twice, three times a week with no one watching it, kept doing it. And eventually I stopped. Um, and then I started making content for political stuff, uh, creating content for like followers of certain candidates during the democratic primaries in 2016. And during that time I had like a broader vision of, okay, like taking podcasting content about politics and creating a network about it, creating shows with different personalities and different spectrums of the political, political world and getting them to give their thoughts I realized like the audience wasn't quite there. And that was towards the end of, I would say like 2019. Um, and so when that happened and then COVID hit, uh, right when we went into lockdown, uh, a friend of mine, we, we wanted to do something, the same thing we were doing in, in building a network, building more shows, building IP, like what makes Barstool successful? What makes BuzzFeed so successful? successful. Well, so we on. created a- Before we go into the channels, right, which you're about to, Time out for a sec. So you're doing yeah, yeah. political stuff. You work with Andrew Chen, right? And other yeah, Andrew Yang. He was. Oh, sorry. I wasn't working. Yeah, no, I wasn't working for him directly. Um, I was working to. So he's a real. He was a really internet-based candidate that was getting a ton of attention online, but he wasn't getting anything from mainstream media. Like CNN would talk about him, MSNBC would talk about him when he started, and he made his uh, beginning by going on Rogan because he went on Rogan and that just blew up because he was talking about automation, all this stuff, and I connected with a lot of it. But uh, on uh, the bigger side of it was I saw just how much of a, a space there was in demand for content about what he was doing on the campaign. Um, but it wasn't being like expressed. It wasn't being shared on all the on all the big news channels. 
So I saw that it was super rampant on the internet. Twitter was huge. Reddit was huge for it. So I started making videos where I explain every day, basically, um, what updates were about the campaign to his supporters. And that started growing my channel quite a lot. I think I got to like 10,000 subscribers in about like two to three months, which was insane for me. Um, that, that, yeah, it, it, was, and it was just making that content. There were about like seven to eight other people similar to me doing other things. Some people would just go and live stream an entire rally. And they would be ha they would have four thousand viewers across Twitch and YouTube at the same time, garnering like thousands of dollars in donations, which would help them keep on going, go to the next place, film another live stream, like uh, stream another events, all this stuff. There was a, a woman named Paget uh, who lives in LA now, but she got to like twenty five k subscribers just talking about it, Andrew every day to his supporters, and that was only possible because everybody was so online. So during that time, I started a podcast where I would have these various influencers in this like ecosystem, right? Come on my show. I'd have supporters come on my show. And the podcast became a separate channel. I learned how to upload to Spotify. I learned how to work like the, um, not so much the branding side, because I didn't have the numbers to get brand deals at that point, but it was more so like just understanding like what that process is. And the dream was to eventually have my podcast show, have another podcast show, another podcast show, all under the network that we would own the IP of and just increase in size. But as the Yang campaign dwindled down and then Joe Biden got the nomination and all the other candidates, Bernie, Klobuchar, everyone dropped out. Um, I was like, okay, the numbers just aren't there. Like you can't make, you can't sell enough spots with, uh, in terms of the overhead that I was also looking at, like potentially having, it was just impossible. So I stopped doing that and lockdown happened pretty much right away. I was going to move down to California to work on a congressional campaign, just to do media work for them. But Wait, I couldn't go down. All this was happening and you're from Redmond, Washington, right? Yeah. And you're, are you in school at the time you're doing all this or how old were you? Uh, it was the transition between, so blogs were all through high school. Then I started doing the political stuff end of senior year, more of the summer. Uh, then I attended SCAD in Atlanta, which is Savannah College of Art and Design. And it was a film school. I went to study, study uh, television producing. And while I was there, I was still doing Yang. But the thing was, every weekend I was flying out to Iowa, to Nevada, all these early states to go attend and like film and get as much content as possible. That, And I was studying the exact same thing in school, too. I was learning how to set up a show, build a show. But I was doing it in the real world. So at a certain point... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I keep skipping over things. No, no, no. So, how are you making that happen financially? So you're not getting brand deals. You're in Savannah, just a broke college student, like we all are at some point. How are you getting yeah. to Iowa and making all that stuff happen? Yeah, uh, Patreon. It was okay. Patreon, and then AdSense. That was the biggest thing. Was the supporters were so strong that even if I didn't have insane, uh, insane numbers in terms of like what what it is nowadays and like what other, what other people are used to. The supporters were still enough where I, I wasn't getting rich by any means, but like 400 bucks, that would last me a week of traveling and doing all this kind of stuff. And also uh, there were super PACs down there. There are all these organizations on there meant to help supporters. And they knew that if I attended their events, I would be filming it. And if there was 150 people in the audience, 10,000 people would see it when, when I would upload the video. So then I started getting free hotels with these people because I would just go and film all these events. That's the only way I was able to survive. Wow. Barely able to do it i got, got I, I you got the hustle no it, question about it thank you no did, it was it definitely felt like a hustle did this get in the way of school so you're trying to you're in savannah beautiful town i love savannah so you're down there doing your school and you're flying all over i mean i'm guessing yeah. they suffered a little bit where was mom and dad happy with all this going on yeah um so it was an art school so a lot of the a lot of the projects were very like 
project and creative base. It was like drawing classes, things that were more simple and they're foundational classes. So I didn't actually have too much trouble with it. Um, but I also realized at the same time, like what I'm, what I want to study at this school, which I will get to do my third and fourth year is what I'm doing now in terms of building like that podcast show, being able to produce a show uh, when it comes to production, distribution, and also just branding and making money from, from what I'm doing. Uh, so I was doing that. And then when the campaign started like growing more and more, Andrew was in like fifth or sixth place. There was debates happening. He was making all these like debates. I was like, okay, this is taking too much of my time. I talked to the administration. I was like, I want to take a quarter off. I want the option to return because I'm planning on returning. And they're like, dude, go for it. Cause this is, this is what we want. Like, you know, they were, they were the best for it because they were like, this is what you're studying. You're going to take a break to go create content and, and videos. I was really amazed by how supportive they were of that. I got to leave. Uh, I was there. I moved to Iowa. I was living in this. Uh, so when I moved to Iowa, I was hopping from hotels with all these different like organizations that were set up to help volunteers. But then I moved into a house uh, of supporters called the sorority of gang. And everybody was a, at least 30 years old. Right. And I was at the time 18. Um, there were mostly, mostly women that would come in and every 30 days, a new round of all these supporters would come in and they were set up to be like this, like safe house. that was a little bit more, you know, uh, controlled and put together just so, you know, they wouldn't have a ton of, uh, women supporters, like feeling unsafe going around like all of Iowa. It was like a way to kind of bring everyone together and support everyone. Yeah. So I lived there. I was making content in this house. We called it a content house as a joke. Uh, but we were just grinding it every day. We'd go out vlog. I'd be live streaming. I'd be creating podcasts upstairs with people pulling them in. And that was the only way I was able to kind of survive while I was out there. And I just kept doing that, kept doing that. Um, how fun, how, and, how fun was that? Just being able, you know, I don't have to worry about school. I've got this amount of time. I can do whatever I want with my day. Like, were you just stoked and wanted to like pack as much as you could into a day? I did. And I, I definitely wish I did more, more too, right? Cause you always, you always like think back and go, Oh, you know, I wish I did this and this, yeah. but yeah. And the friends that I made there, um, it's weird. My friends make fun of me because I only really hang out with, with adults. It's because of that, that experience growing up around them. I realized like so many adults are so many people are like, are still in high school, right? All the problems that exist in adult life, what what made me what it made me realize is, oh, it's not that different from what we went through in high school, what we went through in college, the weird social relationships. But I liked it a lot. They had really amazing stories. Um, and so, yeah, I, I lived with them for, for a while. Um, yeah, sorry, what was your question one more time? No, well, so, so it's easy to look at that. And a lot of people would go, okay, so he's out of the race. There's not as much excitement there. No one's paying for hotels. Views are down. It ain't working. I had this great idea yeah. to network, but I'll never have the revenue to be able to make it happen. I'm going to close it. Yeah. But you didn't. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a failure because you really said, I'm, I'm guessing, right? You talk about it, but it seems like you took that idea and go, wait, what if we did that around influencers? What if I still had yeah. the network, separate channels, separate podcasts and stuff? For sure. What, a lot more people want to talk about influencer shit than they do about yeah, 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 yeah. podcasts, right? Was that the- Yeah, exactly. It, it was, it was. Because um, originally it started as a YouTube podcast, but then I quickly realized like, uh, like you know this, like podcasting, you don't need the same numbers you do on an eight minute blog. Like the-, the val You can make stupid, stupid money yeah. on podcasts. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know if like, I'm sure the audience knows, but like the CPM on a YouTube video, you'll receive like five to $8, right? If you're really family friendly, you can go higher. Podcasting 25 to 35. So that's the amount of money you're being paid per thousand views and increases so much more in podcasts. Cause it's, it's a, 
it, it represents a stronger and more engaged audience than any other platform. People are willing to listen to you for an hour. They're not just going to make you one of the blogs that they watch in the day. That's a huge thing. And that, that's why so many people now are doing it. Nelk just launched a podcast. They see like the um, economic value in doing it, as well as the fact that you increase that engagement with your audience and you can always work with them and it's just a better relationship to have. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely that. It was re replicating the exact same thing that I wanted to do during Yang in social media and the, what you said about like, how do we grow to this many subscribers on all those channels in a year? It was purely because of our plan for conversion. It's creating content on TikTok that short form has insane um, sensory overload, right? David and Logan are so good at making sure that no cut is longer than six seconds, because if it is, the audience is already thinking about jumping off. But if you say something so quickly and move on to the next thing, your mind is thinking about what you just said and then starts to process what you're saying now. So I want like bringing that into the TikTok style. Uh, I use that editing style uh, to make sure everything's quick cuts. So that channel grew pretty quickly on TikTok. It was part. Uh, it was paired at the same time with the explosion of people on TikTok during the summer, uh, and all these influencers blowing up. The hype house was the biggest thing in the world at that point. Sway was get, becoming the biggest thing in the world at that point. Um, and we just started reporting on what they were doing, and the numbers showed. Like I think we got ten thousand followers the first day on TikTok. Um, yeah. And we just started grinding. We were in my friend's, uh, garage. Uh, it was hot as balls and we we're just filming every day. It was film, edit, film, edit, film, edit, post, post, post and grow, grow, grow. And over time, um, uh, I brought in Chris and Burke who were, who like, I filmed with them all the time in high school. Right. So it brings back to like what we did in high school. I knew like they are funny characters and they have the, the ability to be charismatic on camera. And so we grew, yeah, we grew the talent on terms of who's on camera and started pumping those out. Um, and our plan was, okay, we need a YouTube channel because you can't make money on TikTok as you can on, like what I was saying with podcasting, an hour versus eight minutes, same thing with 30 seconds versus eight minutes. Uh, so we started- Do you make any money in the creator fund? I make like, no, I mean, nothing yeah. worth doing anything with. I know, I know. I, it, it's, it's, so at the time when we, when it first started, it was awesome. But, but now, right. With other, other, other ways that platforms are paying creators like Snapchat, you can't even compare. So it makes you definitely, um, care, care less about like how that creator fund is doing. And obviously TikTok did it as a way to make sure that they could, uh, um, incentivize people to stay on their platform versus other competitors. Like that's what all the platforms eventually do is they'll just outright pay people. But it's pretty, it's pretty minimal for sure. I did, you know, I talked to a creator the other day who just randomly checked his creator fund yeah. and he goes, dude, I just got 60K in here. I totally forgot about that. And I was like, what the fuck? How do you forget about 60K? It's funny. I talked to uh, an influencer and I kind of know pretty well, big TikToker. And he was saying he was only making like five grand a month off the creator fund. So, yeah. Yeah. But it, 60 grand, that's it, funny. It's crazy. I think it's great though if, so... Uh, I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Vine so many years ago, right? If you weren't able to be like on multiple platforms, the future was pretty, pretty bleak in terms of where you could go. And when the platform died, most yeah. of those creators also kind of went away with it. Um, so uh, for sure, the YouTube's like so, so important to like grow. And that's where the creators that do have a YouTube, they'll focus more there. They can apply more brands there make more off monetization. But if you're really only on TikTok and you're most dominant on TikTok, then yeah, then creator fund is everything. It's the most important thing there is. It's so, this is such good advice because younger people watch this. It's such good advice on how to start a channel and how to like get started in this world. Cause you're hundred percent right. Like I've got a full-time day job and like doing a video a week. This is the easiest part. 
of doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Actually exactly, doing yeah. the video, right? Yeah, yeah. You gotta get your thumbnails on point. You gotta make sure your audio is good. You gotta yep. promote. I mean, promote if no one's watching your video, who gives a fuck? Yeah, it could be the right. greatest video ever, but if no one sees it, who yeah. cares? You got to make, make sure your integrations are good. You got to make sure your numbers are good. Keep the brands happy. Yeah. You got to be on yeah. Instagram. You got to be on TikTok, Snap. You got to be promoting on all channels. Yeah. It's a lot. And it seems like you figured all that out. It was definitely through just a lot of failure, too. Because you're right. In the beginning, like when I was doing vlogs in high school, the, the way that I saw marketing for your channel and the way you, you convert is I used to go, Jake Paul would post a vlog. And then when I was like 16, 15 years old, I would comment and be like, I just talked about Jake doing this. I just talked about Jake doing this. And I would go to different Google accounts, like that comment, engage with it, go to another one, engage with it, go another one, engage with it. So that comment would be high enough up. So when kids saw it, they would click my channel, watch my video and I'll get an extra thousand views. And I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Wow. So that, was, that was like, yeah, yeah. It works until YouTube obviously now cracks down on it because you know, it was, four or five years ago but that yeah that's that's how i started with uh with how i convert followers you're in the i I did some homework i always like watch videos and shit um i watched one and you mentioned gary v and we were just talking about hacking too were you into gary was he like uh, are you a gary v kind of disciple like are you into his whole view on you know hacking and creating it's weird i don't watch so there was a point in when I was pretty mentally exhausted uh, in the first couple months of the sink, whereas every single day, right? Like we don't take a break. We don't have Sundays or Saturdays off. It's every single day. Um, there was a point when I was pretty mentally exhausted and I just started watching some of Gary's, Gary V's videos. Like, okay, I understand his message. It's it, all it comes down to is just hustle, work your ass off. And those also come, come true. I think it's great. I don't really watch too much of his content. It was, it was a phase for a little bit. I do find myself like, when people criticize him, weirdly, I find myself needing to defend him because I attribute some of my ability to push through those harder moments to what he was saying. And I think he's spot on with a lot of things. Um, and there's a lot of respect for what Vayner's been able to do. Like Vayner Media is a giant. And I, I didn't really realize that until a couple months ago, like how dominant they are in terms of marketing for all these major brands. What so, are they, I don't yeah. know about Vayner Media and what he's doing over there. Is it a, is it a big agency? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was talking to some managers about it because they had a meeting with Gary and they were telling me like, it's a really big player. So they'll work with the biggest like Coke and all these um, uh, major brands and they'll do all the marketing through TikTok, how to create viral content. Um, I've heard they're not as strong on TikTok. And I know that just from like how uh, Gary's been doing on TikTok. They're definitely more Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube focused, but they're a lot more progressive in the fact that they do try to push. You need to do TikTok. You need to do TikTok. Um, But yeah. What do you think, you know, and there's, there's kind of the flip side of the hustle culture too, that says, yeah, you know, you need self-care and you need to take care of yourself and some of that, which I agree with. It's not all hustle, yeah, but that's a large part of it. And you have it, obviously, what makes you different and what makes you and the other creators, cause you know, this world, you're a part of it now, what makes successful ones different than the person who just started a YouTube channel a month ago? Like, what do you guys have that the person who's been kind of dicking around with it for six months or a year doesn't have? Yeah. Is it, um, ethic? what is I it? Think it's, I think it's a match of like momentum. If you feel the momentum of people watching your videos and you're doing something right, then you can't stop because you're so excited about it. It's hard when you boom and then plateau for such a long time. It's just like mentally exhausting. But when, when it, when there's constant momentum, constant growth, you're always excited by it. And also for me personally, like I got really comfortable with failure and no one watching like any of the videos that I put out. 
that that I, I it's pretty it's much easier for me to kind of disregard that happening and like being okay with it and just pushing forward with it but I I, I think also like I, I was thinking about this earlier today you got to have like a real passion for what you're talking about or or what you're creating whether that's the medium of like podcasting I've always wanted to be a podcaster since I was in the third grade or if it's the fact like I'm not particularly extremely passionate about knowing what Addison Ray is doing, but I love knowing that I'm doing a podcast where I get to talk about that. Um, and it has to be either, or it has to be a passion for the thing that you're talking about and the community that you're serving or just a love of the meeting that you're creating. If you love making YouTube vlogs, I think that's Casey Neistat, right? Then you, that, that, that's why, that's why they're successful. Um, and other creators too, when I see them, it's the same, it's the same way. It's funny. So I kind of have a sneak peek because I interview influencers, but um, you're, you guys, it's funny by being around and talking about influencers, you kind of became influencers. And I saw like, you're going to BOA. I mean, is Hollywood reporting <laughs> on you guys next a catch or something? Like, what is it? How does it feel to just be kind of like the nerdy type guy creating yeah. content by himself to like, Hey, now you're at the cool kids table. Uh, I still, oh, I thought you were saying we are still the nerdy because that's how we definitely still feel, right? Because no, everyone that's on our team, we grew up. Party. I saw you in Miami. You guys were at the parties, hanging with people and stuff. You're in the mix. For sure. It's for sure. Like, I, I mean, we grew up definitely envious of like what that lifestyle is and getting to experience it in some ways, super, super cool. But I think we're in a unique position though, where we do podcasts where we report drama, right? So when a creator fucks up, we'll report on that. And so it's an interesting position to be in because you're not coming in as another influencer to be friends with, sure. right? Some people see us potentially like threats in some way or, or being able to provide real value to what they're doing by reporting on what they're doing. So it's, we, we do it more like in the beginning, when we first moved down to LA, we went to Saddle Ranch and we would go to all these restaurants purely to see influencers, go up and talk to them and get them to come on our podcast. So it wasn't like going, we weren't living the lifestyle. We were making no money individually. <laughs> we were all broke, Right. So we're all Venmoing each other for a Coke that we would buy at, at, at like McDonald's. Um, but it was going there because we knew that this is how we're going to grow what we do. We started throwing parties at our house. Um, we had one bathroom for eight of us, right? So we, then we tried to fit 200 people to party in our house. But through then, through there, we would get five, five guests. And they might be huge, right? Maybe someone from the Hype House last year would show up at our house. And everyone would text the chat and be like, yo, Lorraine's here, bro. Or uh, this person's here. We need to talk to them. Um, so it, it's interesting because we definitely still don't, we don't feel like we're that kind of influencer. Um, and nor do I, do I think like most people see us as that when we show up to places, it's more like, oh, those are the podcast guys. That's not like the guy from TikTok, right? Gotcha. Now I'm sure if I was a big influencer and have been involved in drama, you talk shit, I would hate you. And I would hate when for sure. saw you, right? Have, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Negative, have you had negative encounters with influencers? Not in the way that I expected it to be. So in the beginning, we shit on Alex Warren a lot. If it, so Alex was, you know, people called him the fake David Dobrik from the Hype House. And we made a couple of videos roasting him. Uh, and then he reached out and said he loved the videos, loved that the way we we're making fun of him, said it was really creative and different because he's so used to, you know, the, the dumb comments, like calling him fake David Dobrik. He said he would do a podcast with us. Wow. We were still at our home in Redmond. So we packed my friend, uh, Nathan. Uh, he does all of our, he's the head of our design team. Um, he got his grandfather's work van from his farm, Apple farm in Washington. We filled all of our podcast equipment in there, drove from Seattle to LA to go interview Alex Warren because we shit on him. And then he liked it and said, we can interview him, rented a tiny ass Airbnb that same week, Indiana Masara happened to watch our video 
where Chris was simping over her, being like, dude, I'm so in love with her. And then she said she would be down to come on. So that happens. But to answer your question, if people uh, hate on us, it's um, the people that do shit on us are people that like, so we got in beef with Faze Rug a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and so it was for, yeah. And we, we, were, we reacted to him saying that he was going to fight Aiden Ross in a boxy match. And they revealed how much they weighed. And uh, we just made jokes about how Faze Rug was like super light. And he really didn't like that. And that was the one time um, that when I saw, when we saw him in person uh, and he confronted us about it, that was the first time someone actually got very upset about what we said about them. Um, him and Olivia Ponton, we talked about that on our podcast, but that was it. Besides that, the people that we roast the most and talk about the most, the Alex Warrens, the Bryce Halls, we've become closest with them, ironically, after shitting on them in our content. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's like we actually become closer friends with the people that we talk about the most. And actually now it becomes easier to shit on them more because we know them personally. So that's a weird position. Like, so, okay, you're cool with Bryce now. Um, yeah. But all of a sudden, Bryce is going to be involved in some shit because that's yeah, 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 exactly. The future, he's yeah, going to yeah. be something fucked up. You're going to report yeah. on it, and maybe he doesn't want you know it out there, so you're going to report on it. Does that ever create a weird dynamic? Like, hey, bro, what are you doing? I thought we were friends over here. You're you're fucking me mm-hmm. up. So the the boys like uh, uh, excuse my language, but my friends call me a content whore because uh, all I want is I don't give a fuck like if I overhear something at a party and it's super big I want to talk about it. it it's my it's my friends that are normally put me in check and like dude we can't report on that no one knows that we know that from a private event that we went to uh, so we don't actually like really cross the line like that um, and we tend to wait till things come out on a different source or there's more evidence about it so that hasn't been an issue yet I'm, I'm imagining that's going to be an issue at some point because uh, something's going to happen where they don't want it and we're actually friends with them. Um, but I think th- we need to, we need to separate those two things sometimes too, you know, being able to be friends with them while also just continuing to do what we do and not changing. I think that's what most people say is just don't change. Yeah. Don't switch that's, up. We got you here, right? You don't want to start changing yeah. who you are. You know, for it's sure. funny. I've been interviewing, doing this for like three years and got to know managers behind the scenes people and stuff. And I've heard the craziest fucking stories about these influencers, right? Clean cut YouTubers are the worst. And, you know, they're the ones yeah, 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 yeah. in the bathroom or doing coke at a party or something. Like, yeah. do you hear those like rumors and like wish you could report on them, but can't? Every day. Oh, really? Like, oh my God. Because I've heard some, I mean, obviously without saying names i've heard some like horrible things that some influencers have done when like you know let's say there are a couple that's really famous on the internet and they've done like the guy's actually been a horrible person but no one knows that and they see him as the perfect boyfriend like you know that that's something but we we that's something that i heard privately in like a private relation you know private conversation we can't we can't report something like that but it's it it's true that that exists every day and there's so many people when you when we meet them in person they're very different than they are on camera. Well, while a lot of them still are exactly the same, some people are really, really cool. Some people will surprise you in the fact that they're not as cool as you would hope they'd be. You know, I guess it's kind of along the lines of like, don't meet your heroes because sometimes they can be complete assholes. A hundred percent agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some are cool and some will give you your number and you can text them, but other ones like it's got to be through my management. Talk to my yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me know what questions you want to ask me all that shit. So yeah, I, hundred percent can relate exactly so what's next for you guys so you're involved in this world you have three channels and you're Mm -hmm. focused on the podcast too do you 
are you getting numbers over there on, you know, on the podcast versus which yeah. YouTube or are you trying to grow that too or what? Which we're always trying to grow everything. Um, the main, the main YouTube that has 400k is all about, uh, it's a longer form version of the TikTok. Like the TikTok is meant to convert to that YouTube channel, but because of our access to these influencers and the fact that we talk about them on these other channels that receive a lot more views, like on TikTok, we post a video and it gets a million views, but we can have a podcast with the person that we talked about discussing the same thing and we can get a hundred thousand views. All right, great day. It's an it's a, it's a sick day. Yeah. So that, that's, that's our goal is like, is the, the podcast for us is ba- the views are very based on like who the guest is that we have on. Um, and that's fine. Like if we're selling brand spots, you just, we just sell them on the spots that we're confident that those guests are going to pull numbers and the other guests, we want to just grow our, grow our daily audience. Um, yeah, it's an interesting relationship. Every channel is kind of treated differently in that way. You know, I saw too, you talk about brands and it's funny. I saw like some brand deals you did, like one with shorts and then another one with like a male landscape or <laughs> man's grooming. Product. Manscaped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny. Cause I was thinking about my audience is I do something different than you, but I, you know, I do yeah. what you think it's younger women are, is my audience. Right. And I would assume yeah. people who are watching influencer drama are women. So is your demo women yeah. and how do you get the, Oh, they're not. No, no, uh, commentary, uh, commentary, YouTube, drama alert, all these things that talk about daily news, they're traditionally majority uh, male audience and the majority in the, uh, yeah. So on TikTok, we're a little bit more split down the middle of 50, 50, but that, that goes straight out the window when we go to YouTube and podcasts, that's like 80 to 90% male, um, which helps us out on the brand side because it's a lot harder to have a split audience. Wow. I would have never guessed it was that high. I yeah. would guess you had a female demo. No shit. No. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some of the, like the more like, like the sway boys they'll, they'll tell me like their audience is a lot more female but they have enough guys where like it, it somewhat balances out and it's harder to sell um uh sell spots when you're when you you cut your audience in half towards the targeted demographic by that company or brand so it's a lot easier to have it lopsided did you um was that a, did you seek that out or just something that happened did, did you try to track like hey i don't want to hit guys 18 to 24 or did you Think about that, or you just yeah. I kind of assumed uh, just because I, I was familiar with what kind of people watch the more traditional YouTubers that do create most of the news. Like if you think about like the Jake Pauls, the Rice Gums, Logan Pauls, they have majority male audiences. So if we're talking about them, I was I, were, I was assuming that we would we would uh, reflect the same thing, and, and we have. So I just think that's like uh, I think girls on on the internet are just into a lot more diverse things. Well, you can ask pretty much every guy and they'll tell you that they know Bryce, they know Rice Gum, they know KSI. Uh, well, if you ask, I think, like 10 different like girls who their favorite influences, you'll get a lot of different answers. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why that is, but I, I, I think it's really interesting. How's, the, how's it been working with brands so far? What was it like in the beginning? Because you had success. I looked at that India um indiana, indiana one video yeah and it got like forty thousand, or i don't want to miss or 60 or something high right off the yeah, yeah whatever it was so did you have yeah. brand interest right from go or how did that work no uh no right now we have we, uh kyle uh leads our sales team we have one sales guy who sells all of our spots and you know like there might be deals that come in because like maybe i talked to like a manager or agent that wants to send us stuff and take his cut um so that that does exist but it took a while for sure 
Um, and also the problem is a lot of these companies, uh, they book out all their spots about a year in advance and they don't change because they budget that money for the rest of the year. So uh, you have to wait till around this year for all that money to go into TikTok. And then the, what fucked that up a little bit was when people thought TikTok was going to get shut down. So then brands pulled their money out, but you're going to see it increase like, I think double or even triple going to 2022 because so many more companies like we need to be on TikTok. We're setting our ad spaces up now for 2022. Let's allot 30% versus 10% to TikTok. And you're going to see that reflected in the amount of ads being shown on TikTok, especially with the fact that they're going to three minutes. You can, you can do so many more brand promos. And so the, it, it, I think it was, yeah. Does that help you? Sorry. I three minutes because now I don't have to like, you know, there was a couple good clips in here that you've said already that are over a minute. So before I would have to kind of chop it down and you leave it hanging, you know, kind of in the middle three, three minutes allows you to do a lot more things. For sure. Um, the, way, the way I saw it when I, when I heard that they were possibly going to roll out three minutes was I don't think the, 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 the audience, the appetite of the audience hasn't changed in the fact that they don't really want to see a three minute video on TikTok. Uh, but if you make longer videos that are closer to a minute, like we do, we make 45 second, 50 second videos. Our idea is, okay, every social media platform, all they care about is retention. They just want you to stay on the platform longer than, than you would on the next platform. So I think they're going to incentivize, they're, they're going to they're um, reward creators that create longer form content closer to that three minutes more than they would people creating short form 10 to 15 second content because uh, that's just how their incentives uh, lie. So I think it doesn't change what we do, but if anything, it helps what we do because the, the, they'll promote us more being, being longer form content than, than traditional TikTokers. What, so that's the way i haven't seen it when you and same thing as youtube right they you know the long form content yeah, yeah, yeah. get more exposure than the guy making a three-minute video uh, yeah so you you said i think that was a good prediction to give some insight into ad budgets and stuff do you think it's going to go like 30 percent tiktok what do you think the marketing budget for tick for instagram is like how does how what's the pecking mm. do you think for an average yeah brand? I have a, so a couple of my friends that I met at that uh, house that I lived in in Iowa, they work on the market, uh, on a lot of marketing teams for, for bigger companies and more traditional companies. They're still very hooked on, on Instagram, right? Like, you, you know, this like all these big companies, they're, they're traditionally like three to four years behind in terms of where they need to send their money. Um, and so I think the big, big companies, they're still a little back from TikTok. They're still looking at Instagram. They're figuring out what to do with YouTube. But the more progressive companies like the Manscapes and the people who have been experiencing, ex experimenting a lot with sponsoring podcasts, they're a lot more open to working with TikTok because they find they, they, they found success from being having like first mover advantage on other platforms. I found that too. It seems like, well, obviously startups are always more nimble than a big corporation. But yeah. yeah, it seems like they're the first to kind of go down that road. And I'm, how was the engagement or have the brands been happy with you? Have you done a lot of TikToks ads or are you just doing them all on YouTube? Uh, in the beginning, we did a lot more TikTok. Now we're doing more podcast ads because uh, we have a, uh, a lot more connections with podcast studios out in LA and they'll send us uh, uh, brand spots because to them, right, they, they want their cut of um, sponsors that they can, that they can work with. So that's, that's been happening more on, on the brand side. Um, yeah. I don't know. You, it, it's weird. Like TikTok brand deals are, are exist, but they're just not, it's hard to make them natural. You know, like, you, you know, what I'm talking about when you see a TikToker who posts a video and that video has a 10th of views that they normally have. And all it is a straight up ad. It's not like putting it into a YouTube video where people don't care and they'll skip. They're just going to scroll by. Your watch time is going to go down. That video is not going to get pushed. And at the end of the day, when you go back to another brand, they're going to look at that one brand deal that you did significantly worse. And that's your new anchor of where they're going to say, that's, that's what we, you can guarantee if that's what you did last time. 
it's a harder, harder place to build relationships with brands. Do you, I mean, you've got so much insight and stuff and you have friends and marketing companies and stuff. This may be boring to people, but I don't care if you stayed along this uh, yeah, yeah. interview, you're obviously into this, but um, you have so much insight that would be valuable to companies out there. Is that, is that ever, do people approach you and say like, Hey, could you be our, you know, um, marketing guy on retainer to kind of develop social media yeah. strategy and stuff? Do they hit you up for that? Uh, so yeah, they, they do. And I've been starting to work with, so there's a place called, I don't know if you're familiar with launch house. Uh-uh. Uh, they're, they're, they're a cool concept. It's a house. I think it was like, uh, it was either Britney Spears or someone else's like old house, uh, like back in the day. It's a really nice place in, in, um, in Beverly Hills. And what it is, is a couple guys started it and they have 30 founders that live in this house. And then every 30 days, a new round of 30 founders come in. And a lot of these people are from Silicon Valley more tech focused, but trying to do something within the creator, creator economy. They're trying to work with creators, but the, the disconnect lies in when, a, when like uh, a tech founder is trying to talk to an influencer about how to work together, there's the knowledge gap makes it really hard to create like a really strong relationship. So this is supposed to aid and make that a little easier. So I've been going to there, uh, going there a lot, working with founders that I really believe in, see some real value in the company that they're building. And, um, what happens is a lot of influencers well, not a lot yet. I think soon, um, what I've been doing is I've been talking about equity and retainer deals, which will keep me as either, you know, owning a small part of the company or working on retainer per month to work on mostly onboarding creators and creating like a platform that's more friendly to like work with, work with creators essentially. Um, and so that, that I, I've, I've been doing that, uh, individually with those companies. And you've got, you were texting stuff about topics. You said you were in the, you were, you have a tech background too. What do you think now? And are you part of, you know, I know the, the Sway guys pretty well. And you look at Josh Richards and those guys and they're involved in a ton of startups. Shit. He's fun now. A lot of the smart ones, Charlie D'Amelio's hooking up with apps and owning a piece of them too. Like, is that something you're a part of, or do you kind of want to go down that road too as a creator to, equity is important and I want a piece of what I'm representing and I got to be a part of the brand and those kind of things. Yeah. So, so for me, so if it's for me individually, like when I, when, if I'm just lending, like I'm not investing capital, I'm just like giving my time and like working to make the platform better. In that case, it is really exciting. I, 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 I like to own a small piece of a company if it's going to keep me incentivized. But if I see a different way to add value to that company and a better way to like create a relationship, I'd rather do that. If I'm going to get a retainer per month to just talk to creators for them and work with them, and that that would be more more beneficial to them, and they they don't have the opportunity to give out equity like that, that that's great too. But on on the group side for us as um, uh, the sync, it works a little different where it's more production deals. So like Charlie and and her dad, like her dad got a board seat on Triller. Uh, I'm sure they own a small part of it. I think I heard Triller gave like, they put 10% aside for creators um, and distributed amongst like a ton of different uh, creators. But what we do is production deals where we'll be uh, paid normally. We're not going to take equity in the company, but we'll help run, um, uh, we'll help run a campaign. We'll help run the social media pages of companies. And that will work in that capacity as a group. But for me individually, it's more, um, I really want to be incentivized to, grow a company if I really believe in what they're doing, if they're solving solutions in the space. You know, I was just thinking too, so the group dynamic, we haven't talked about that a lot, but um, how does the money work? So there your sites, I think, YouTube channel, like you just split AdSense revenue across the board. Do people have different percentages? Who was there first? They get more than the last person to the party. 
Like, how does you split all brand deals? Even like, how does that work? It's definitely tricky. Like, um, so the, it's it's the company, right? The company will make all the revenue, but then from there, um, without like revealing like exactly what everyone is getting, it, it's it's basically the people that are here. They're they're gonna own a, like a piece piece of this company, and then from there, as we grow this network, and like uh, like my guy Kyle, who's our sales guy, when we own and run multiple different shows, we're gonna need maybe half a dozen, a dozen different sales guys. What and do you I want. Hold on a second. What? I'm in sales. You have a sales yeah. guy. What does that mean? He works for your company, and or is yeah, this yeah. A management company that's outside? Like yep. these this guy works for you. Yeah, sales, uh, sales, and just selling ad spots. Wow. Like that's all it is, because he's doing it now for just what we're doing. But what we've done with the sync is a process that we want to replicate with another show and another show and another show. And then with that, Kyle will have people that work under him to 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 fill those spots, work with all the uh, work with all these shows. And so we're 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 building a system right now that can scale as we get bigger and as we own more IP, so that the one guy that Kyle that Kyle has will become a pyramid. That will become one part of, of the company. Luke, um, who produces our podcast, he distributed, distributes it, edits it, puts it on Spotify. When we have more podcasts, he will be um, making sure that the production is going right for all these different podcasts. So we're perfecting what we can do now is the sync. But when we build a show called Two Best Friends or whatever, we're going to do the exact same thing we did, but make it bigger and make it bigger and make it bigger and grow each person's responsibility and the leadership that skills that they need to have so that they can command a whole team under them. You know, that is impressive. And that's a vision that few creators have. And I talked to a lot of creators. You're almost looking at this like a CEO where you're, you're, you're a basketball coach and you're, everybody has different skill sets and you're putting people in the right roles to succeed and grow the company, which by the way, you know, you guys own a piece of, and Hey, if we make more money. You do well in the podcast division, you make more exactly. money. So is, is that how you look at the organization? Yes. Yeah. It, it, that's what it is. Is everyone like everyone that's here with us right now, like needs to own a piece of company to know that you like, you're going to have so much responsibility as we grow bigger that you, it always needs to be tied to the fact that we're building the value of, uh, of this corporation. It, it needs to come down to like, you know, what is the valuation of what we're able to do? And everyone has such a major role in making sure all the pieces fit together. Um, so it, it's definitely that it's just a responsibility of all the different departments that they control and, and run. Well, it's incredible, man. I wish you all the success in the world. And this has been a super interesting conversation. I mean, I think people, yeah we'll get a different side of you, not just the guy talking shit about TikTokers. There's a vision and there's a plan behind it. This just didn't happen. You didn't just wing it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely uh, planned in the, uh, like in the beginning when it was um, just me and one other person, it was, we wanted to bring on like Chris, Nathan and Luke to come on, build their own show individually in our space and would help aid them, help, help them with the editing. We wanted to do what we, we what we're going to do in the next like, couple of years in day one and it just didn't work out. So those people became part of the entire internal team. And now Nathan runs our entire um, uh, design and our just entire brand. So it, originally that was the plan, but we did it really early and realized, oh, we need to build this first. We need to prove and fail over and over again to figure out how we can do it again. You know, and I think that's a great lesson to kind of close on. And for the aspiring creators out there, you know, he didn't have, Kai didn't have like a direct path to success. Four years ago, he couldn't have imagined, I'm guessing you couldn't imagine you're going to have an yeah, yeah. influencer kind of drama type channel, right? And this yeah, organization yeah. with podcast departments and production and all this other stuff. But I think the key of my takeaway from this is you failed a bunch of times. 
And yeah. I think the difference is you were still willing to like figure it out. Like, oh, I, we missed, but we're really close with this part. I still think that was a good idea, but we got to try it this way now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great lesson. I think that's, you know, a real reason for your success. Yeah, it, it sounds cliche, but it's like learning from failure is definitely like the best way to just figure out how to do something right. Because um, you just have to go through all the emotions of, oh my God, I just fucked up. We're done, we're done, we're done. And then coming back and go, oh, it didn't end everything. This is like what we learned from it. This is how we do something better. Um, and yeah, I know everyone says that, but I think it's the most true thing. It's just learning from failure is is how you just like don't repeat it. Um, and accepting that it's just going to continue happening, continue happening. And just capitalizing on the moments that actually things actually do work out and go well. Wow, man. Anything else you're promoting? Podcasts, everybody go watch the network, the YouTube channels, listen to the show. Uh, we're on we're announcing this soon. Uh, but just, I mean, I just, I have, this is the first time I'm talking about it. The Roast of Bryce Hall is coming. We're running a theater. We have everything. We have writers, uh, comedians on, um, on stage. Uh, one creator, he's not even like the biggest creator, but he's the one that I'm most excited to see up there. Two Turn Tony, Tana Mongu, like they're going to be hilarious. Oh. And just having them roast the shit out of Bryce and getting Bryce to be able to roast all of them and then building the show. Like that, that's, I'm really excited for that. That's going to come in the next couple months. Um, and we're going to do a ton of marketing for that. So I, I'm, hopefully everyone will be, uh, will be hyped for it. Wow, sick man! I want to take it for that. I want to see. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we that's incredible! Another revenue stream right there. You go. You got live events. That's another department of the organization. You're yeah. fucking killing it, bro. It's it it's pre- it's the same thing we did here. It's proof of concept, and then be able to do this show again. Do do the roast again with Facebook or Instagram, right? We want to be able to work, then work with a more strategic partner and do it bigger, and then maybe we can do it at the do it at like a mass the fourth theater or something crazy, you know. So, wow, man. Kind of Good luck. I know you'll I know you'll succeed. Thank you so much for coming Thank on you. the show, man. It was a pleasure. Thank you guys. Make sure you subscribe and turn on notifications. I have new interviews every Thursday, and I've got three pretty big ones coming up. So you don't want to miss them. So subscribe and turn on notifications. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yep. Guys, comment down below who you think he's gonna interview next. We gotta get that, we gotta get that engagement going in the comments. I need it. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. it has a good watch time, right? Hopefully they stuck around for the whole hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, dude. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you.